Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Hello Legends, another week, another weekly watch with the best looking listeners in the podcast world. How do I know that? I just do. Apple Podcast Analytics tell us everything about our audience, where they're from, their age, their sex, their sex life. It's very thorough. So we know you're good sorts. We know the podcast is growing in Finland and Botswana. We know we've got 64% male, 35% female audience, which means... 1% third gender. We welcome you too with open arms, I guess. This is Rugby League Erotica for the next half hour or so. We don't do opinion, we do interviews. This is the podcast where you actually hear from the superstars of the game and we've lined up eight for you on this episode alone. Shit hot probably best describes what's coming up. Into your ears, Keith Galloway, John Asiata, Craig Bellamy, Daniel Alvaro, Shane Wright, Ruben Wickey, Keegan Hipgrave and Cody Walker. There's footy talk, some stats, some tactics. There's some absolute shit talk too. Why not? Enjoy it and let's rip in. There's a statistic for everything, 100%, I guarantee But at times over my career in commentary, I've used exactly the same stats to point to one team's weakness or actually use it as another team's strength. That's how you use the numbers. The most popular one this year seems to be the no team has ever won a premiership after conceding 50 points during the season. Blah, blah, blah. We hear it every week. South Sydney have had an absolute gut full of it. Cody Walker... Do you take any notice of a record like that or do you just ignore it? Yeah, you don't take any notice of that. Um, I suppose the game's changed over the um, over the years. Um, there's a lot of blowout scores at the moment. Yeah. Um, the game is so... I suppose the game's, game's given that with the, the, the rule changes and everything like that. Um, and I suppose I feel like we've got the squad to defy all odds. Those two games where we conceded those points, um, it's obvious that we didn't defend well. Yeah. Um, and I suppose defence is is um, once we get our defence right, our attack flows. Um, I think that's that's a great learning curve for us. Is that um, when we have a defensive mindset leading into games and we get our defence right in the first five to ten minutes, we're really really hard to stop um, with the ball in hand. So. Um, I think that's been the focus over the last, um, you know, few weeks. And yeah. um, we've probably done that in that Parramatta game where we sort of got our def- defence resolve in, in order. 
Um, and when we, when we were playing against those big sides, I suppose um, we gave them a lot of leg ups out of yardage. Yep. Um, you know, six agains, penalties. You know, tackle three, tackle four inside their thirty. And I suppose when you're playing against um, those those top sides, is that mm. you just can't you can't afford to give them that much um, ball inside your half. You just got to try go set for set. Um, and and try and make them crack before you do. And I suppose we didn't do that in those those two games, and it, it showed um, enormously in, yeah. in the in the scoreline. But um, when you do, when you make those errors and and you can't defend them, you sort of just I don't know. You sort of just I suppose lose all. Um, you lose that hope, it's, don't you? And, yeah. and focus because you're constantly. Yeah. On, on the back foot. Mate, yeah. I know players get really disappointed with it. Coaches are angry with it. But a lot of coaches, whilst they might not admit it, a lot of coaches put it down to the fact that sometimes it's just one of those nights where everything goes right for the opposition and it doesn't matter what you do, nothing's going right for you. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the, the game this year is, is all about momentum, um, all about... Um, playing on the front foot, it's a really hard task to sort of stop when you're in that um, when you're in that moment and you're coming up against, I suppose, Melbourne and Penrith who have been outstanding for for a number of years now. Especially Melbourne, they've been uh, the the number one consistent side in the yep. comp for the the past decade or even more. When they get the momentum, it's just really hard to stop. And I suppose sometimes you you try go out and solve it on your own, whereas you've just got to try and um, stay together and, and solve it all together. Uh, but again, I think, you know, leading into that Parramatta game, we, we, we made a real focus on um, getting our defence mindset back. Um, and it showed from the very first set yep. um, we had. We, our line speed, our, our kick chase was on. Um, you know, they scored a couple of points. Um, but again, when we'd make an error, we had that defensive resolve where we could... You know, we, we, we defended that set, um, whereas in the past we probably couldn't do that. Um, so, again, we're, I suppose we're, we're focused on our defence for the last four to five weeks and we've sort of got back to where we were at the start of the year. So, um, you know, we're, we just want to improve each and every week, so we're, we're ready to go. A hundred games. It is quite the milestone. Looking through the history books, you've got to be some type of special to reach triple figures in the National Rugby League. New Dragon Daniel Elvaro reached a hundred earlier this year. What did reaching that milestone mean to you, mate? Oh, mate, it was huge. It was um, something I was never, never, I don't know, sure of getting, and especially at the start of my career, and then to be able to get that milestone and. Um, experience it was just something really special and a real highlight of my career um yeah just over the moon with it was it the game or the lead up that was more memorable um probably both but the lead up was really special um uh, it happened on that night that it was Trent Merrin's 150th game for the Dragons yep and the Dragons were really good like they made it a really special kind of week for both of us yeah they um they, they did a video with my family and they brought my wife and daughter in and they did a very similar thing for Mez and um, 
they really showed they cared and made a big deal about it, which I really appreciated. It made it so much more special for me. And um, I'd only been there a couple of weeks too. So for them to go to the lengths they did um, was something I really, really appreciate. And I definitely got a lot tighter with that group going through that week. And, and then to be able to do that week with Mez as well, because I became really good mates with him in, in a short period of time from being there. And to be able to share that with him is just yeah, a real highlight for me, mate. Yeah, he's a good man, Trenny Merrin. I thought the Dragons were great considering you're only a new addition at the club. I thought they, it was all class from them. Next question, it seems like a weird question, but you've known me long enough to know most of my fucking questions are weird. <laughs> was it more special for you or the family? Because family are the ones that started all, they also see the sacrifices, they see the injuries, they see the tears, they see the emotion and how hard you work. I reckon for family, some milestones actually mean more to them than they do to the player. No, 100%, mate. There was something like, as you know, uh, footy can be a bit of a roller coaster, and my family have always been with me through it. And um, especially my dad, look, he's someone I talk to a lot and he's, he's been with me from juniors, whether he was coaching or whatever. And um, yeah, it was really special for him. And I'd, I'd actually promised him that I'd actually give him the jersey frame. So he's he's got that coming to him as well, which he's pretty pumped about. So um, yeah, so it was, it was really special to be able to do that with him and give that to him for everything he's sort of done for me over the years. Thanks, mate. Love it. A belated well done on the milestone. Hoping there's many more games to come, legend. No, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Want to win an unfiltered trucker's hat? Go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then simply give us a five-star rating and review. Write whatever you want. We don't care. It's the stars that matter. Funniest weekly review wins the prize. Simple. It's that easy to win. The winner of this week's unfiltered Series 1 trucker's cap is... The Oyster Bay Bulldog. He wrote, awesome, relaxed interview style. Keep up the great work, Andy, and guests. You keep up the great work, Bulldog, you legend, and get in touch, mate. You've won this week's Trucker's Cap. If you'd like to win one of the caps, simply leave a review on the app you're currently listening on, and it could be you next week. You can tell it how it is, or you can have some fun with your review and make us laugh. Tell us if you're a pyjamas or nude type of dude, or if it's a schnitty or full-on palmy that gets your temperature soaring, it doesn't matter what you write as long as you do. Be sure to give it five stars as well. A cap is one every week. There's something happening at the Cowboys. It's been a few years and a real transition. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is, but there's something about this next generation of Cowboys that I think looks good, really good, actually. One of that crop joins us. Shane Wright, what is it, mate? What's the positive that you can see as we look forward with the Cowboys? Well, I think you just touched on it. I think there's a lot of exciting new young boys coming through, um, and they're from they're from the North Queensland area as well. Yep. So I think that plays a massive role. When, they, when they're from the area, they, they know what it means to represent the Cowboys and they – because they grew up just loving it. So, yeah, it's just an exciting bunch of new players coming through. Um, and I think that the, uh, the town's really getting behind it as well. Considering the guys that have retired from the club over the past, I guess, three or four years, it'd be blind to think there was going to be anything but 
a tough rebuild, and it has been a tough rebuild. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, all those guys, obviously brought home the first premiership here for the Cowboys, and then went again and made the GF in 2017. Mm. So they played a massive role in this in the club's recent success. But um, yeah, obviously when those players start to filter out, you're going to leave a big hole, I guess. So yeah, it's just one of those things that I think every NRL club goes through is a transitioning yeah. period, and. Um, I think there's yeah, like there's a bit of character building going on with some um, some boys getting a, a bit more experience, and then like I said, yeah, the younger boys coming through, and I think um, the club's going to reap some rewards in the future. Some of these kids coming through, and you're only a young fella yourself, but I'm talking about the outside backs, the centres and wingers, unbelievable size, but unbelievable athletes with that size. I mean, it's scary when when you look at the outside backs at training, they're monsters and they can do the lot. Yeah, well, again, that's that's just the game these days. Like your your wingers, you you go for it. So um, yeah, I guess I'm still young, but yeah, even like the younger boys, the like 18, 19 year olds now, they're just they're just massive. It's basically just another front row with speed. Yep. <laughs> but um, no, nah, the likes of him and Connolly and Hamaso and uh, Big Murray's been killing it this year. So it's it's very exciting, and it's um. That, yeah, like you said, they're athletes, they're, they're freakish, they can pull some crazy stuff, but also they're just they're big bodies, so they just get our, our, um, our team going forward. Thanks for the chat, Legend. We'll do it again soon. Good luck on the weekend. Cheers, mate. Let's wind back the clock to 2011 and the Four Nations Tournament. This one was played in England and Wales at a time where Queensland were establishing their reign in the State of Origin Arena. The squad was big on Maroons, it was light on Blues. There were some new faces as well. And one of those fresh, good-looking new faces joins us. Big Keithy Galloway has dropped on in. What do you remember, mate, of being told you were part of an Australian squad? Yeah, mate. Well, it's um, yeah, probably, probably obviously, you know, my biggest honour in the game. Um, you know, we had a pretty good year, pretty good couple of years with the West Tigers. You know, we we're, were close to knocking on the door of grand of grand finals. We, you know, we sort of lost, missed out um, both semi finals each year, and yep. I had a pretty good year, two thousand eleven. And um, yeah, but when when I heard my name was included in that squad, mate, it was it was a big shock. But um, you know, it's obviously something I'm very proud of. Important shit first. Who was your first tour roomie and what were they like to share with? Um, mate, I had Dave Shillington. I had him for the whole tour. Um, he was pretty good, mate. Pretty clean. Um, good fellow, sort of. Too. He'd, been, he'd been on, you know, kangaroo tours before, so he'd sort of took, taken me under his wing. And, uh, no, he's a great bloke, mate. It was good. A 24-man squad. Timmy Sheens was the coach. The other props on tour were Matt Scott, Dave Shillington, Sam Thiday, and Paul Gallen was actually being used up front as well. All four guys probably pretty close to the top of their game. Good competitions for the front row spots. Yeah, well, mate, yeah, it was, it was sort of um, just to be included along along those sort of guys, you know, and you sort of, you know, they'd all sort of been there and year after year, so it was sort of it was a good learning curve for me, and I learned a lot from those sort of guys. So it was um, no, it was awesome, mate. Round one, Australia beat New Zealand. Round two, you beat England. Round three, you beat Wales. What do you recall most fondly of the preliminary rounds? Um, oh, well, mate, it was just, I suppose every time you put that jersey on, obviously the first game was massive, you know. It's yeah. sort of first time, you, you know, you got to, to, wear the, to wear the jersey and um, obviously facing the Kiwis, you know, facing the Harker, things like that was, was pretty, um, 
pretty surreal. So, um, mate, over there, obviously the conditions are freezing, and and that time of the year over there, um, you know, I ended up ended up playing over there for a couple of years at the end of my career, so I sort of become accustomed to it. But um, when you're not used to it, mate, it's absolutely freezing over there. You know, really good question comes from that. Uh, it would have been your first time in front of a harker at senior age footy. The harker really stimulates and really motivates the New Zealanders. Does it have the same effect on the opponents? Because you guys are just lined up watching this. Yeah, I think so, mate. Um, personally, yeah. Well, obviously, you see how sort of passionate it is to their, you know, it's a big part of their culture. So um, I, I, th- I think it's sort of uh, def- definitely sort of had the same effect on myself and probably most of the other guys. The final was against England at Leeds. Ellen Road in front of 35,000 fans. Do you still remember it, mate, the experience? I do, mate. I actually, um, I was sort of touch and go to play that game. A few of us actually had food poisoning the night, night before the game. Oh. Um, yeah, and I was touch and go and um, ended up ended up sort of, you know, feel the, you know, like I was sort of quarantined and hadn't eaten need much food and I don't think I need anything before the game actually, but um, decided to play and got out there and um, made the game went that quick and luckily we sort of ran away with it and got the win. Australia won. Was also Darren Lockyer's final game. It's a pretty cool thing to have on the resume. Oh, big time, mate. Yeah, I sort of, I sort of mentioned that to people. I was, I was fortunate enough to play in his sort of last ever rugby league game and, um, you know, he was, he was getting to know him on, you know, being, up, being out in the squad with someone like that was, was massive and, um, yeah, it's a bit, sort of a big honour. Thanks for dropping in, Big Nuts. Chat soon. Thanks, brother. Hope you're following us on social media. That way you get your say on topics of the week, upcoming guests, latest news, debates, theories. We'll keep you updated on who and what is coming up on the potty, plus exclusive offers and free shit as well. Our social media handle on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Pretty easy, guys. The Andy Raymond. Griffin Air Conditioning, the best of the best, servicing the Sydney metro area for both domestic and commercial air conditioning installations and maintenance. They've got it all. And Galaxy Finance, for all your financial needs, concerns or questions. If you've got a worry, any issues or just need some clarity, call them now. Both companies are offering specials for unfiltered listeners. Contact them, tell them you heard about them on the Unfiltered Podcast. They will sort you 100%. Their contact details are on our website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Check them out there with direct links. They're the best and the best at what they do, and they're here to look after unfiltered listeners. If you'd like to be part of the Unfiltered team, get in touch. Go to the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Hit the sponsorship tab. We've got several different levels of sponsorship that cater to all levels of business and budget. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. The Legends series, I love it. I hope you do too. You know at any time you can go back and listen to a Legends series interview? Actually, any of our podcasts. All of them are timeless. So it actually doesn't matter when you listen to them. And even though you may not have heard them when they first came out, they're timeless. They won't date and they will make sense. They're ready for you for when you're ready. And this week on the Legend Series, the great Ruben Wiki. Born in 1973, you mentioned Otara. Uh, on this side of the ditch, 
We heard stories that if you grew up in South Auckland, you either learned how to fight or learned how to run fast. Any truth to that <laughs> as a young kid? Well, I did start as a winger, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up at front row. So, yeah, both of those uh, kind of fall into terms of uh, South Auckland. But I think um, survival mode is, is the right answer for, for that question, mate. And uh, solo mum, mum raised three siblings, three kids on, on her own. You know, mum and dad kind of split when I was young and mum took the, took the reins and uh, was working two jobs day and, and day and night. So I grew up pretty quick at, at a young age and um, matured a lot quicker to assist with my mum. I left school when I was 15, went to go work uh, just to help pay the bills, help her out. And I think, you know, the opportunity to uh, go over to Canberra and try my luck was, you know, just trying to pay it. Play it forward and you know, give back to mum and what she sacrificed for us as um, as a solo mum. You'd start in Canberra in '93. In '94, the movie Once Were Warriors hit the cinemas. It was based in South Auckland. <laughs> it was shot in Otara. You were in your second year of first grade. Uh, was the movie an accurate representation of what you remembered as your home city and its people, or or was it sad in the fact that it made the city look? Troubled to a point, I guess. I think. I think with that movie, Andy, it was uh, it happens everywhere, everywhere in the world, and like for us, it's it's real. It's like it was an everyday thing, and some families grew up with that. So some families, you know, involved in gangs. As soon as you're born, you you get you know you get your tag. So it's mm. like um, I think. Do we follow the same path, or do we change change it and? Make our own path, you know. So we saw, you know, we saw a lot of it every day, and I think it was just trying to be our own person and uh, make our own own legacy and don't follow the path. But it, does, it did make us stronger in who we are today, and part of our identity is, you know, surviving. And a very sad movie that was portrayed, but it is it is real, and it's not just Polynesian Maoris. It happens to everyone. You know, so it's. I think it was an eye opener for everyone that watched it. And I think um, when I showed the movie to the boys, they were, and that's where I got my freaking nickname because I had the same haircut. I said, "Mate, I cook my own eggs, mate. <laughs> I cook my freaking own eggs here." That is a cracker in the interview. Love it. I actually love all of them. Hey, here's one for you. Ruben played a lot of junior footy, junior rugby league, with a young bloke who would come to Australia in the early 1990s and trial and train with the Newcastle Knights. But after three weeks, he got homesick and headed back to New Zealand. That same young kid would go on to play 129 super rugby games, 74 tests for the mighty All Blacks, He also holds the distinction of being the first New Zealander of Pacific Island heritage to be named All Blacks captain in a test match. That kid's name, Tana Umanga. Yep, Tana Umanga spent three weeks in the Steel City and so easily could have been a Newcastle Knight. If you missed it, let's wind back the clock all the way to episodes 27 and 28. An awesome chat with Melbourne Storm coach Craig Bellamy. With the rule changes uh, since the COVID resumption, have you had to change the way you coach the footy side at all or elements of it? Not so much. Um, well, yeah, a little bit with the rule 
changes, obviously. Um, not, not not so much, um, um, you know, about the resumption after COVID, but certainly, and I wouldn't say as far as I coach the footy team, but since we've been moved, yeah, um, I've ha- had to be a lot, um, a lot more aware of things off the field. So. Yeah. Us being in isolation and us being away from our homes and some of us being away from our families, um, there's some things that if someone said, you will do this during this year, yeah. I would have said, no, I won't. Yeah. But to make it a bit easier um, on the players and their families um, to – I suppose, work through the issues that we've found ourselves in at times. Um, you know, I've changed like our, our system or I've changed our routine during the week. Okay. Um, yeah, and and I, I think most of would would lean towards, I suppose, not doing as much training as we would have done or not doing as many meetings or longer meetings or whatever. So I think – the footy stuff has been cut down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It certainly hasn't been stripped down without a doubt, but there's just some things that we needed to do to make things more comfortable for our players and our um, our families, you know, to survive in, in this environment. When I say survive, that's like a bit of an overemphasis, but uh, basically enjoy or try to enjoy and try to get out as much as we can out of this experience. Really interesting in the fact that that interview was conducted almost 12 months ago, 2020, when the Melbourne Storm were first relocated to the Sunshine Coast. And the question was, what's changed under the new rules? And Craig really didn't mention too much about actual football. It was about the preparation, the relaxation and the mindset of his players to produce the best football. No wonder he's so good. I love the fact international footy is a priority and developing the Pacifica nations over the past decade has been huge for the game and huge for the countries. I've got a really interesting one for you. Our guest has the distinction of playing for two Pacifica nations, two appearances for Samoa and two for Tonga or the Tonga Invitational. John Asiata, how does that work? How did you get both jerseys? Oh, it's the perks of having both both nations and in your blood, I guess. I think um, mum's uh, Samoan Tongan and dad's uh, full Samoan, so... Um, yeah, it was just a blessing that I could actually, you know, play for both. Um, the one that feared me the most was <clears throat> swapping because you know how there's always that little bad blood between the two nations. And uh, yeah, the one thing that was going to be very hard to take was the backlash from people. Yeah. Um, the backlash about people saying, you're a traitor, um, don't ever come back to play for Samoa, uh, a lot of those things. But um when I did that, when I did it and made the decision, I think I had more positive than yeah. negative, um, which was amazing. Um, people understood where I come from, my, my story, what I did, 
Um, so we, we, it was it was that was the important part for me, and it was great to see the amount of support that I had. What are the moments or games at international level that stand out for you? Is it the 2019 Invitational win over the Kangaroos? Is that the highlight? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, like it, it's, I think that whole sort of um, those last couple of weeks in that in that tournament that we played. So we played Great Britain first, and we beat Great Britain, and that was amazing. Yeah. Um. The the amount of support that we had there in Hamilton was unreal. Um, and then going to Australia, no one really sort of gave us a chance. They said, you know, these guys will probably be in the game for the first 20 minutes, mm. um, but then Australia should run away with it. But um, I think the passion that the Tongan boys and all of us played with, um, you know, the boys played, you know, they 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 go off the crowd and, and us having that advantage as well with the crowd is is unreal because they just don't stop singing. Yeah. They sing throughout the whole game and and that gives us, you know, that rush of, you know, we can't let these people down. And, um, you know, that Australian game, like I, I ended up being 18th man, but sitting on the bench for that game, still just watching and you just feel the goosebumps of how loud it was um, and then where we were at that stage. Like it, it felt like it was a grand final. Um, just, the, you know, like no one really giving us a chance um, it got went down, went down to the wire, right down to the end, um, just to win. And the amount of support and how much that meant to the people of Tonga um, was crazy. It didn't matter where the game was played. It was like a Tongan home game. Even the Australian yeah. and New Zealand fans were cheering you guys. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the amazing thing about the Tongan fans too, is that they don't just because their team is versing another team, they don't just support Tonga. Like, they cheer for both teams no matter what. Um, yes. Uh, and all they want is, is a good game, a good fair game and, and just mad entertainment. And that's what they got that night and the, the fans love it. And it, sh- it shows how much they love the sport. It is a game that us Rugby League tragics will remember until the day we fall over. A wonderful look to mate, at a very different international career. It's a beauty. Thank you, thank you. Our guest played his junior footy for his beloved Narang Roosters before being signed by the Brisbane Broncos. Keegan Hipgrave for a young kid from Queensland. Was that a dream come true going to the Bronx? Yeah, yeah. Before the before the Titans came in, um, I used to follow the Broncos ever since I was a little kid. So. Um, to play, to go through the juniors with them, like it was unreal. They they had what I thought the best junior development. Um, so that's what I wanted to align myself with. And so I did all their juniors, did their under 20s, um, had a great time with them. And yeah, I don't think I would have got to where I am now without that junior development earlier on. You played a season of 20s with the Bronx and I reckon and I might be off by a year or two, but it was about the time that Panthers side was just starting to run right in the lower grades. Does that sound about right? I think um, I think that was either before or after okay. my time. Yeah. yeah Great yeah. competition in the yeah. 20s, mate. I miss it. I thought it was a wonderful pathways program for a young bloke to transition to the NRL. And great, great viewing for everyone oh, else to yeah. have that before the NRL game. Like, I talk to guys that are my age and older and we still think that we're so lucky to be mm. able to 
travel around, follow the NRL teams, play before them. Um, you know, we were so lucky to be able to do that. And, you know, sucks a bit for the boys coming mm. through now. But, um, you know, it, yeah, it was good for us back then. You'd moved to the Titans, as you said. What do you remember of your debut in the top grade back in 2017? I, re- I remember it so well because I only thought I was going to get about 10, 15 minutes. And I was, a, I was the first sub about 20 minutes in. Wow. And we ended up having a bunch of injuries, so I had to play the rest of the game. Yeah. So I was played about 60 minutes and I remember just, I was so tired. It was so fast. And I just said, just don't, don't take any runs, just tackle, just make sure you make your tackles. And that's, that's sort of what I remember from the whole time. And we almost won um, against the Roosters that it was. Yeah. But we almost won. We didn't get, didn't come away with it, but it was fun. 40 games with the Titans. Uh, excited by the switch to Parramatta? Yeah. 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 They, I'm, I'm pumped to be here, um, especially with, the players we got and the success that they had last year. And um, I think if I was going to align myself with a team that um, is close to going on to winning the premiership, yep. I think this is it. So um, to be at this club with Brad and all the players here, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Enjoying your time there, mate, especially at training, because I would imagine because of the depth is so good across a number of spots, in particular in the middle and, and back row, massive competition for spots and that makes every day a real challenge yeah you you gotta even in the preseason, you know you, you had to you have to perform like it's just the culture here um and i think competition's good like healthy competition's good because it makes everyone better um and you know the quality that the boys are playing at now it's it's so good you know i've everyone's calm and it's just it's just a really good positive environment to be in enjoy your footy legend chat again soon we know everyone's doing it tough in one way or another at the moment. Please know that we are thinking of you, and I truly hope this last half hour or so has been able to take your mind off the world's bullshit and problems and allowed you, even just for a brief period, to relax and enjoy. If you're struggling, reach out for a chat. If you've got a mate who you reckon might be doing it tough or a family, pick up the phone and say g'day. It does make a difference. Hey, don't forget to leave that review when you're done. If you leave a review, it's my shout at the bar. If you don't, it's your shout, and we're on it big time. The choice is yours. We're celebrating one year of podcasting in the next few weeks, and we will blow your mind with what's coming up. It is fucking huge. Have a cracking week, legends. Catch you next time.